If you're able to remain standing, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2 for the reading of God's Word this morning. And read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. This is the Word of our Lord. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. We pray that as we open it up, as we endeavor to understand it, that you would open our eyes to see glorious things concerning you. We pray that you would be present with me as I proclaim it. We pray that um, you would use the proclamation of your word to edify hearts, to change hearts. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As a lot of you know, Emily grew up in the Tacoma Bible Presbyterian Church, and for years, the Tacoma Church had a Christmas cantata. On the Sunday closest to Christmas, um, they would uh, sing a, a great production, about an hour long of singing. The choir would practice for weeks, serious practice, uh, complicated uh, songs, and they did a great job. But of all the years that I attended the Christmas cantata there in Tacoma, None of them were like this one that we read here in Luke chapter 2. Sure, the, the Tacoma Church choir sang well. They sang elaborate songs. They sang, they sang many songs, but none of them compared to the glorious choir of angels that we read here in chapter 2, verse 14. One simple song, one line, but what a glorious Line that is when they say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But as, as we think about that, have you ever stopped to think about this scene? Or 
Is it the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the, this, this text is the voice of the peanut characters reciting this on their, their show? Have you ever stopped to think about this seriously? To really consider what's going on here? Let's set the scene as we move to verse 14 of this chapter. Do you ever notice what is going on here in verses 1 through 5? Here we have God guiding the heart of a wicked ruler in Caesar Augustus to orchestrate everything so that Mary and Joseph would end up in Bethlehem to register for that census that would only happen about every 14 years so that Jesus would be born in that little town of Bethlehem, no more than a village, in order to fulfill the great prophecies concerning the Messiah of the Lord in Micah chapter 5. And while they're in Bethlehem to register themselves in the census, Jesus, Jesus arrives, and you're very familiar with that story there in verses 6 and 7. And following the birth of Jesus in that very meager condition, in the stable as it were, perhaps a cave where they kept animals, following that, the most majestic Christmas cantata takes place in verses 8 through 14. Do you ever notice the immediate audience of that cantata? The immediate people that the angels are singing to? They're singing to the shepherds. And that's an important fact because shepherds were one of the lowest and most despised groups of people in society. They were a group of people who really struggled with the truth. The shepherds of the first century had a reputation of being liars. They tended to struggle with the truth and they tended to struggle with other people's property. If you can figure out what that is there. And yet, that's the very audience that the angels sing the line that we just read here. This is not the group you would choose if you're trying to gain credibility to your story. If you're trying to make something up, and you're trying to get credibility to a story that you're telling, you'd have the angel show up to the king, or to the synagogue rulers, or the, to the Pharisees, but they show up to the shepherds. And the only reason that the shepherds are included, included here because what Luke is telling us actually happened. There's no other reason to include a discredited group in your account unless you're not trying to gain credibility because what happened, what we wrote, actually happened. It is to them that the angels come to announce the birth of the Savior of the world in verses 9 through 12. And as the angel is finished announcing the birth of the Savior, all heaven breaks forth in praising God in verse 13. Much like the hallelujah chorus that we find in verse 19, or in Revelation chapter 19, related to the second coming of our Savior, where there the hosts of heaven sing hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. And the content of their praise was glory to God and peace to mankind through the glorious Savior who was just born. That's what they're singing about. And as you read the story, if one angel wasn't enough, one angel shows up to the, shows up to the, to the shepherds, and the shepherds are afraid. 
that's a common theme in the scriptures. When an angel shows up at your door, you're afraid. And he says, don't fear. Here is the glorious message of the gospel. A Savior has come to you. And if that wasn't enough, the, now the hosts of heaven started to praise God for the birth of Jesus. In verse 13, Luke says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying... Now the heavenly hosts, we're, we're, we used to use that, we're used to using that word and often we don't know what means, the word host. Well, sometimes, oh, if you're having people over at your house, you're hosting them, and so on. But that's not how this word is used in the Bible. The idea of the host is the armies of God. These, we, we have this, this idea of angels from Hallmark cards or little decorations or from Baroque paintings. These um, effeminate, perhaps, or chubby little guys with tiny wings you know, looking at each other, uh, blue-eyed, blonde... And yet, the Bible says these are the very soldiers of God who go about doing His bidding, and they show up to sing about the birth of the Lord. If you look at the examples in the Bible, remember the story of Elisha? His servant, Elisha, was a prophet of God in the book of 2 Kings, and the Syrian army comes to town. And as far as you can see, it's Syrian soldiers and and chariots and horses. And they surround the town. And the prophet's servant is afraid. And says, we're doomed now. We're done. And Elisha said, I got this. Just trust me. And then he prays that God would open the, the servant's eyes. And when the servant's eyes are open, remember what he says? He sees? He says, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You read about the angels in the book of Revelation, especially Revelation 12. They're not these little cherubs that look like overweight children. (laughs) They are the armies of heaven fighting for our very existence against the armies of Satan. And these are the ones singing about the, the birth of our Savior. So we have this magnificent choir singing praises to God because His Son has been born. And the angel song is simple. It's a simple song, one line, two clauses, that communicates three things to us. Look at, look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The first thing it communicates is the nature of the birth of Jesus. The coming of Christ is the climax of divine self-revelation. The angels are praising God because God has given to the world the final, full, and clear revelation of Himself. God has re- had, God had throughout history revealed Himself in many different ways. From the very beginning of time, God has made very clear who He is as creation itself shouts His attributes. In Psalm 19, we read that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Paul gets even more precise than that. In Romans 1, verse 20, he says, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, 
are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God has always been a God of revelation, a God who makes himself known. But humanity has refused to listen to what creation declares about its creator. So God started speaking in a special way, directly or through messengers. He gave some people inspired visions that really told them about what God was saying and thinking. He directed his people through his perfect law. He illustrated the need for atonement and forgiveness in the sacrificial system. He sent prophets for his people. These were great and great, great and gracious revelations from God, but they were veiled. They weren't as clear. They, they were types and shadows of the things to come. So 2,000 years ago, God gloriously sent His Son to make all things clear. And that's why the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1, says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the power of his word, when he had by himself purged out our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. So God revealed himself in his Son. In the Son, the fullness of God appears. And that's why we don't need any more revelation. How better can you get than Jesus? You can't perfect the perfect. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Paul says. And the armies of heavens are praising God and declaring that all glory belongs to him because the final revelation has come and he is the head of all rulers and he is the head of all authorities. The one that John says in the beginning was the word and that the word was with God and that the word was God he was in the beginning with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth this is the climax of all revelation this is the climax of all communication from God to the point that the angels of heaven can't contain themselves and break forth into singing So the first thing this song tells us is about the nature of the birth of Christ, the final revelation of of God. The second thing it communicates is the significance of the birth of Jesus. In order to understand this part correctly, we need to talk about the wording of the second half of what the angels say. In our translation, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The English Standard Version, the ESV, does a little better job in translating this last clause, and he translates it this way. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. (coughs) Peace among those with whom he is pleased. The birth of Jesus is significant to the world because it is through him that man and God are reconciled. That is the peace that the angels are singing about. 
The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ himself said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, humanity was created to be in perfect unit, union and peace with God. But we sinned, and that unity, that peace was destroyed. And Jesus Christ came to bring that reconciliation between man and God. And here's the truth about this. And every last one of this room knows it, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not. Everyone, deep in our hearts, knows that we are not at peace. And you say, no, that's not the case. Well, why is it then that society, humanity in general, is always searching for meaning, for fulfillment, for wholeness, for joy, for identity? Because they were created for those things, because of their union with God and their peace with God. That being destroyed, our hearts are always yearning for that. That is exactly what biblical peace is. A God-wrought wholeness, a God-wrought completeness. It is through this baby that the shepherds are about to meet that humanity and God can be reconciled. Paul says, for there is only one mediator, only one that can go between man and God, and that's the man Jesus Christ. And this peace that the angels are singing about is the believer's assurance that he has a share in this reconciliation. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become righteousness, the righteousness of God in him. This peace we all crave comes only through reconciliation with God because of the work of Christ. And that peace passes all understanding, as the Apostle tells us in Philippians chapter 4. That's the only place you're going to find that peace. So this song communicates to us the nature of Christ's birth. It communicates to us the significance of Christ's birth. And the third thing it communicates is the consequence of the birth of Jesus. The angels saying that peace are to those with whom he is pleased. Those are the objects of God's grace. The grace of God is displayed to those who believe in him. Through Jesus, the abundant grace of God is communicated to his elect. In Titus, the apostle says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What does it tell us? It tells us that every one of you that don't believe in Jesus Christ are, is willingly 
refusing to see the grace of God revealed to you. I don't know if you ever read The Last Battle. It's the last book in the sequence, in the fictional, historical fiction, I don't know if you can tell, the sequence of uh, the Narnia uh, story. It's not necessarily the last book written, but it's the last one in the series there. And one of the last series, one of the last scenes is heavens all around these folks, and they're sitting around the, the fire, and they're refusing to look around and see the, the heaven that there is around them. Refusing to see the grace of God displayed. And those that don't believe in Jesus are doing that. They're actively refusing to see what God has clearly displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's us who believe. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came into the world in order to reconcile you to God, and to grant you that fullness that you so long for. If you do, then these words that I'm going to read next are true of you. For by grace you have been faith, saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, but a gift of God, so that you not boast. And in that salvation, God created you and made you A new creation, his workmanship, created for good works, created to praise him, to obey him, to glorify him, that you should walk in them. So what should we do with this information? What do we do with it? Because the Bible doesn't want you just to listen to things and say deep, deep, or good, good sermon at the end, or whatever. The Bible calls you to listen and to act. Either be really angry about what I'm saying, or do the things that the Bible says. Don't park in neutral. What happens if you park a car in neutral on a hill? It rolls, and that's the end of it, most of the time. So how do we do, what do you do, what do we do with this information? How do we respond to the truth that the armies of, armies of heaven are praising God because Jesus came to reconcile men to God and to grant them wholeness. What do we do with that? Well, the shepherds. The shepherds teach us what to do. Look at verse 15. So it was when the angels had, had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. What do we do? We go see Jesus. That's what the shepherds did. We go see Jesus. We run to him. We don't delay. And if you have never done that, do it now. Trust in him for salvation for your souls now. You're not guaranteed the next breath. So do it now. But if you are already trusting in Christ... Don't stop. Keep on going to Him for the constant peace that comes from Him. If you are in Christ, run deeper into Him. Cling tight, tighter to Him. Delight more strongly in Him. 
and then worship him. The shepherds, in verse 16, says, uh, Luke tells us, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. They went and worshipped Jesus. And then they could have contained themselves. What did they do next? In verse 17, they made it widely known, the same, and what they had seen. Then we tell others about Jesus. So do something with what you're hearing today. Believer or unbeliever, do something with what you're hearing here today. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased That is the angel's song. Christ Jesus came to reconcile men to God. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And we pray that this word that was proclaimed here today would go forth and accomplish the very things that you're appointed to accomplish. We pray that you grant us all peace in Christ for asking his name. Amen.